because I'm afraid I've forgotten how to preach. I'm truly hoping that it's like a bike and you don't forget. We're about to find out. It's, I guess I've gone longer this time. I've been doing this for about 40 years. And I guess I've gone longer this time than I can remember. Maybe the longest I've ever gone without preaching. I do get an opportunity to uh, go over to the Hope House and minister, teach. Every once in a while, I'll break out little bits and pieces of a message, a sermon, that sort of thing. But I do count it a privilege and an honor. Pastor Rhonda has been such a blessing to the Women of Hope Ministries. And it certainly uh, has, you know, that ministry does a great deal with dealing with life struggles in regards to alcohol, drugs, that sort of thing. But I truly consider it a life restoration center. It's so much more than drugs and alcohol. You know, as the ladies would testify to, it's some... Um, their lives being changed. God has called them out and set them aside in hopes that they might make a dedication to him, sign a contract with him, so to speak. So, that being said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, Lord, to bless this word as it is ministered and shared among ourselves. I'm asking your anointing to simply drip off of it, be all in it. I praise you and thank you for the change that has occurred in my life, for the change that has occurred in so many of our lives, Lord. It's all because of you. You deserve the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at the person beside you, left or right, whatever's convenient to you. I'm going to give you an opportunity that's not uh, very often experienced, and I want you to look at them and say, you need to be committed. <laughs> I'm not talking about your mental state of mind, although I, well, yeah, I know. Although I know a few people that I feel like that they might need to be committed. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a different kind of commitment. We live in a world and a time in history when it almost seems like nothing works. There's a lot of people that are losing hope and faith even in their own prayers and prayer in general and other people. Is that a fair statement? You know, we pray and it doesn't seem that anything happens. We pray and we wonder where God is. Um, every once in a while I get the opportunity to meet with someone and they really haven't walked a Christian experience and they don't know God to the depths of many of us. And they will question me about God and they will talk about God himself and they literally ask the question, do you really believe that he's real? Well, let me emphatically, beyond any shadow of a doubt, say to you this morning, I certainly believe that he's real. 
And it's not because of what I see. It's not because of your life that you live. Because some of you live probably an up and down, inconsistent Christian life. I struggle with that myself on, at times, of trying to be more consistent, trying to be everything that I feel like he's called me to be. It's not because of those things. Those things will fall short. Those things will leave me in doubt. It really is because of what I feel inside myself. Every once in a while, I get the opportunity to sit with someone, and I will sit, and I'll wait, and I'll sit, and I'll wait, and what I'm waiting on is for the Spirit of God literally to speak to me, not in an audible voice, but to speak to me from my heart to let me know what it is I need to minister to that person or what it is they need to overcome. Well, life is tough, amen? Amen. We suffer some disappointments. Things happen. Things go on. People pass away. Loss incurs. Everything else. Uh, You know, we've come through a time in history when the bottom seems to have dropped out for many people. So anybody that has confidence in those type things are pretty shaken. Amen? So when you look at someone and I say to you, Speak to them and say, you need to be committed. There is a key to all of this. And I really have thought about this opportunity that Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda has given me to come up here and to speak to you. And I thought, it's been so long, and what if this is the last time I get to minister to them? Whether by my choice and saying that, you know, this is no longer my calling, My calling is to minister one-on-one or in small groups or that sort of thing. Or whether, whatever happens. What if this were the last message I had the opportunity to minister to anybody? You know, I'm very thankful that my son and um, Josh and Angel and some of my family is here. I'm real thankful for that. It's been a while since they've heard me minister. But I thought about that. Here is the message that I would want to leave with you. Life is tough, but there's one key element for me. Now, this is for me. This is what works for me. I make it work, and that key element is commitment. I have made a conscious choice. I've made a commitment that I don't intend on going back on. It doesn't matter What happens, what comes, what takes place, it doesn't matter. I've made a conscious choice. Someone say, I've made a choice. choice. Have you made a choice? Do you believe in that choice? Do you ever have thoughts of turning back? Some would say all the time. Well, occasionally I I scratch my head sometimes myself and think, Lord, have I made the worst decision in my life? I thought it was going to get better, yet it seems to be getting worse. What's going on? Is it me? Is it the world? Is it you? Have you possibly changed? Have you possibly changed your mind about me? 
Have you really opened the secret places of my life as David would declare and invited God to do? And looked in there and thought, oh, my father, I've made a mistake. Look in there. Look at what he's done, what he's got going on. In the book of Job, and I've got several scriptures. If you guys want to try to keep it up on screen, that's fine. But I've got enough scriptures that I thought, well, if I've got how to preach, then I'll just read the word of God to them. You know, I want to take up a little bit of time. Come on. I don't want to be up here 10 minutes. My first sermon was about five minutes, and I stepped down, embarrassed, ashamed, wondering what in the world went on. I practiced this thing 20 times, and it was a lot longer than five minutes. So I thought, well, if I get up there, I want to last longer than five minutes. So I've got a bunch of scripture. And if the Spirit of God doesn't kick in or if I've forgotten how to do this, then we'll just read a while. Amen? The problem with that is I forgot my reading glasses. So we may be out sooner than I had thought. In the book of Job, chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, it says, Yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand, and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then you will lift up your face without shame. Isn't that a scripture? Wouldn't you love to be able to do that? Have you been in those places in your life when you've been able to lift up your face knowing that it doesn't matter what I've done, what's gone on, it's the blood of Jesus, it's all about Jesus, it's his work, I don't, I'm not even in this equation, it doesn't matter what I've done, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. You ever taken that flower and you pull the little petals off, she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me, she loves me not. And you hope that it comes out on the end that she loves you? Well, I take the flower of life and I pull the petal off and I say, He loves me. He loves me. It doesn't matter how many is on there because He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And that is so rich and that is so real and that is so wonderful when I can look up to Him without any shame, knowing that my sins are covered, that my character flaws are covered, that everything about me is in him, and I can look to him without shame. Lift up your face without shame. You will stand firm and without fear. In the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, I talk with you about commitment. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Or in King James Version, it says, this is your reasonable service. Maybe so, brother. My father... Could have cleaned them for me, son. But I may need them dirty. Who knows? Well, brother, I was just... uh, This is your 
reasonable service. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is commitment. That is the statement of commitment. Present yourselves a living sacrifice. Give yourself to God a living sacrifice. How much, what else should I be able to say? How can I convince you the, the level of commitment? Thank you, sir. I'm sorry for all these distractions. Just be patient. We'll get it together here. We haven't had time to practice. Amen. Your reasonable service, presenting yourself to God, making a commitment. Folks, we live in a time and a place when commitment doesn't even seem to be a word that we speak or that we, you know, I'm, I'm serious. With the divorce rate skyrocketing, it seems as though the whole of society has decided divorce is no longer needed. Let's just move in with each other because it's inevitable. We're going to move out at one point or the other, so let's just skip it. Let's, let's, we don't believe in it anymore. Whatever the case is, commitment. Commitment to families. You know, in, in regards to divorce, your commitment to that person depends on their commitment to you. How committed they are to you. Is that a fair statement? And if they're not as committed to you as you are to them, if their word, I'll love you forever and ever, and you'll be mine forever and ever, and whatever vows your vows said, and whatever the case is. I used to do marriage counseling, and I tried to emphasize and emphasize and emphasize to everybody that I met with, this should be once and forever. A commitment. Yet, it doesn't work out at times. We make commitments to something, somebody, people, places, and things that it simply doesn't follow through. It's not worthy of our commitment. But effective Christian living is based totally and completely on that that you've committed to. So I would like for just a moment to talk about God and his commitment to us. In the book of Jeremiah... If I can get there, I told you I had a lot of scripture. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 36, I want you to hear the commitment that God makes to a nation, to the children of Israel. Now, he's making the, this kind of commitment to a people that's stiff-necked, that's stubborn, that's rebellious. They come in, they go out, they take over a, a country, a nation, a people, they start worshiping their gods. They're so inconsistent, it is incredible. They gripe and they moan and they complain about everything. There's too much water, there's not enough water, there's too much food, there's not enough food. Why have you brought us out here to leave us and, so that we might die? Commitment. And in spite of all of those things, God is making a commitment, making a statement. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. It's the cross, amen? amen. It was a little, over 2,000 years ago, it's the cross. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel 
and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenants. Though I was a husband to them, though I was faithful, though I followed through, though I did everything I said that I would do, it won't be like that. Thank God somebody said that. Amen. Declares the Lord, this is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Somebody say he's, he's remembering my sins no more. <laughs> oh, you ought to shout, praise God. Remember them no more. That is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine now, when I spoke with you a minute ago and said, your commitment is only as good as that that you've made the commitment to. So before I read this portion of scripture and we understand who we're committing to, we're not com you're not committing to David Herring. I'm not committing to you. I'm not committing to a marriage or a family. My commitment is going to be to something and to someone who is worthy of it. To something and someone who has taken the test of time and proven himself to be faithful. Is there anyone in the building who might be able to say to me, Pastor, I know someone that God forsook that he didn't come through for. In our minds, I, I know that we can come up with people and we scratch and we think, well, why didn't this? Why didn't that? But in reality, I've never, I've never met someone that he didn't come through for. That he, when he made the commitment and said, I'll be there for you, he was there for them. In my own life, when he said, I will be there for you, Pastor David. I wish he called me that. <laughs> I'll be there for you, little David. I'll be there for you. He has never failed to be there for me. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who declares the moon and the stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Almighty, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will the descendants of Israel ever cease. Oh, and, and, and again, I'm talking about somebody who's done it all. He hangs the sun. He hangs the moon. He took his hand and scattered a trillion stars across the universe. Everything that we see, the seasons, wintertime is coming. And after wintertime, it'll be spring. And after spring, it'll be summer. And after summer, it'll be fall. Guess who controls these things? Our Heavenly Father, and He's the one who's making a commitment to you. If you will surrender, if you will give in, if you will surrender your life, I make a commitment to you. I'll never leave you. Somebody say you'll never leave me. 
Say it again. He'll never leave me. I'll never forsake you. <laughs> Thank you, Hope House. Praise the Lord. They probably think, well, we have to. He's asking us to do something. We have to do it. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, declares the Lord. I'll always be there. In every situation, in every circumstance, no matter what goes on, I'll always be there. Have you had a recent experience when you've experienced God being there? I mean, really, that he's come through, that he really has come through. The women of hope, the ladies here, bless their hearts. They've already gone through a whole week of church or several days of church. Church, church, church. And they just came through two or three weeks ago. Church, church, church. Sermon, sermon, sermon. Message, message, message. And now they're having to sit here this morning and put up with another message, another preacher, another whatever. What they don't understand is it really is taking effect to them. It really is changing their lives. They really are starting to buy into the idea that somebody is making a commitment to me. Every one of them could stand and talk to you about the lack of commitment, whether it be from their own mother and father, their own family, life, whatever it is, they didn't see the commitment that they had hoped for. And they, their lack of commitment was very well earned and learned through all of those processes. But now God is teaching us, I'm going to make a commitment to you and you have a history of humanity that shows I come through, that I am God, that I show up when I tell you I'll show up, that I put out when I tell you I'll put out, that I do what I tell you I'll do. When you're faced with the darkest of hells, I will bring you through. Ain't it so, Wendy? Praise the Lord. Ain't it so? He is God. God and he does exactly what he says that he will do amen I'm talking and I'm asking and I'm compelling you to make a commitment I am beseeching you if I could get on my hands and knees and felt like I could get back up I would I would say to you make a commitment to him he is worthy of our commitment he is God Lord and master of all of the universe he is God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me get back to this. Praise the Lord. All right. I've spoken to you about who he is and his worthiness of your commitment. But who are you? Who am I? Using a biblical example in the book of Joshua, Joshua saw the ups and downs of the people of Israel. He saw them worshiping. He experienced God firsthand, his heavenly father, and he knew who brought them over the river. He knew who the one that committed all of these miracles performed all of these miracles. He knew of God. He dedicated and gave his life to God. 
in spite of all that he was seeing, in spite of all the inconsistencies in the world, in the people, in the, the people that he was leading. He experienced and saw Moses and how he went about his business, and he, he saw the humanity in the man Moses. He saw his own humanity. He's seeing the humanity in the children of Israel, the griping and the grumbling and the complaining and all the things. He's, he made decisions and they didn't turn out right. So he experienced life on life's terms. Amen. And yet in the book of Joshua, the 24th chapter, one of his last messages to the children of Israel Joshua says to the children, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Does this sound like a man frustrated? I mean, seriously. You can only work with a group of people or a person or whatever it is so long and you just get frustrated and think, just do what you want to do. Just have it your way. Go your way. This is what he's saying. Literally, this is my interpretation of what he's saying. If it doesn't seem right to you, if it's not pleasing to you, if it's not what lights your wood, if it's not what gets you going, then don't serve the Lord. Uh, where was I at? But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefather who served beyond the rivers or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living now. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, no matter what I've seen, no matter what I've gone through, no matter what I've experienced, no matter what's happened, I've been inconsistent, I've been up and down. Now, I'm talking about Joshua, not me. Everybody that knows me knows that I've been inconsistent. I've been up and down. I've been in and out. But Joshua says, I've seen it, I've done it, I've experienced it, I've walked with you, you're stiff-necked, you're up and down, you're in and out, and I'm frustrated, and serve the Lord. But if it doesn't please you, if it doesn't light your wood, if, you don't, if you're not convinced now that he's God, that he's your heavenly father, that he will do what he says he will do, then so be it. But as for me and my house, no matter what I've experienced, I've experienced disappointment. Now I'm talking about me. I've experienced disappointment. I've been let down by people, places, and things. I've had hopes and dreams that didn't turn out so well. I'm 60 years old now, and I'm, you know, I struggle physically, and, and I want to do things, and I used to be able to do 10 things in a day. Now it seems like if, one, if I can get one or two done, I feel really good about it. It used to frustrate me, and I think, I, I cannot believe this. Why can't I do more than this? Now I've come to the place that I just accept what it is. 
If I get it done, I get it done, and I shout hallelujah. If I don't, I don't, and I, that's all that I can do. I was working in the yard the other day and, and raking up some rocks and trying to clean up some area, and I was thinking to myself before I started, now I can finish this. I can get this done. And I started working, and I had about, oh, eight piles of rocks that I was going to get up and all of that. I got one pile up. I got two piles up. I looked at the other six. And I thought to myself, I wonder if you'll crawl off during the night. You'll either crawl off during the night and you won't be there when I wake up or you'll be right where I've left you and I can do you tomorrow, praise the Lord. Because I'm not feeling too well at 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening now. I'm tired and I'm wore out. Well, I've lived life and I've seen some things and I've experienced some things. And I'm not as strong physically as I used to be in all of these things. But one thing that I know, one thing that I am sure of, and that is that he is worthy of my commitment. He is, he, folks, there is, there's nothing about him or in him that I find disappointing. There's no claim that I can lay on him that says he's lied to me. Oh, he hasn't made it easier for me. He hasn't made it easier for you. I hear some messages, and I think, wow. If you're all that, then I must be wrong. If, if I'm going to get to walk through the bed of flowers and lay in the, the, the sunshine and all of the, I mean, some messages make it seem that way. And I'm not criticizing the message or the preacher. I'm just saying some words that we preach and we speak make it seem as though come to Jesus and all your cares will be lifted, all your burdens will be lifted, all your hard way will be lifted, and it'll be made easier. And I'm saying to you today, in honesty and reality, a lot of times that's not the case. It's not about what I receive from him. It's about receiving him. It's about knowing that he'll never leave me. And when darkness comes, no matter what I feel, no matter what I think, no matter what I've experienced, I know he's in the darkness. And that keeps me going through all of the hard times, through all of the disappointments. It, whatever, whatever you're going to do, do it. Joshua saying, but choose. Now, the, the children of Israel go on and say, well, yeah, we're going to choose the Lord. We're going to choose the Lord. The Lord's our God, our heavenly Father. He's all of that. He's brought us, and we're going to make a commitment. And Joshua says, all right, we're going to make this stone. This stone has heard all of your vows that you've said toward the Lord, and it remembers, and it will remember, and it, will, it won't be moved. It will remember. Well, how has that worked out for him? Anybody know? If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that they were quite inconsistent in their commitment to God. And the reason why my belief is they weren't fully convinced that he was everything that he said he was. Life is getting tough and tough. 
and tough. And you're only going to be as committed as the person that you've committed to. It's going to require, you know, as when Angel and I get to ride together and, and I listen to him talk and he teaches the youth and he and uh, Courtney, I certainly don't want to leave her out, praise the Lord. Um, amen. <laughs> they teach the youth and a, a, his, the theme that he keeps going back to in regards to the youth is I got to get them to sell out. I got to get them to sell out. I want to get them to sell out completely and totally. I want to get them to sell out. And I sit over there sometimes and I think, you talk like a person who has sold out. You talk like a person that has found a key in life that if, if you can get them to sell out, then it will really work in their life. Then it will really take place in their life if you can only get them to sell out because he understands the trials and the temptations of being young and a teenager and things like that. He's not very far remo- so far removed from that that he can't draw and remember. And he knows that if you sell out, I know his life. I know how he was brought up as a child and different things and what he's experienced and what he's gone through and his inconsistencies. And I'm not trying to make him the topic of the sermon this morning because he can't help anybody. You cut him open and he bleed all over you and ain't nothing going to be covered but that you can't wash off. And there it is again. But I know his life, and I know his struggles, and I know what he goes through. Yet he comes back to the place of somehow he made a commitment to Jesus Christ that said to him, I will be there, and he's bought into it, and he knows that that commitment changed his life. And he's unwilling to be shaken from that. Well, I've just talked to you about Joshua. Now, he's not all of that. If you're thinking he's all of that, He's not, bless his heart, but he's working toward it. Praise God. I'm really proud of him. Give him a hand. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. In the book of Habakkuk, if you can turn there for a moment. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, I'm going to try and read it to you. Here is a man, if you, if you read and study the book of Habakkuk, the chapters that are there, and I think there's three of them, if you look at this and you read and study it and you understand it and you know what's going on and taking place, you will know that this prophet of the Lord had a real struggle with the people he was speaking to. Once again, this is after the Joshua experience, after the commitment, oh yes, we're going to serve him, we're going to serve him, we're going to serve him. Didn't last very long before they were serving other gods, carrying them about. Gods that our hands would make, that nature would make, stones and all of these things. They were worshiping all of this and Habakkuk was going through this. He was experiencing this. He was struggling with them. He was going on with this and notice what he says in all of this in the chapters one and two we read and we understand that this prophet had some real questions God why this 
Why do the unjust rule and reign over the just? Why do you sit there and let these things happen? I say those same things sometimes myself. God, how is it that you can sit there? Father, how is it that you can sit there and watch this person suffer at the hands of an unjust and ungodly person? How is it? And you would think that after enough of this, that someone would change their mind, right? Well, let's see. In verses <laughs> 17 and 18, <coughs> here, is, here is his statement near the end of his words that live on in his life forever. These are the statements that most closely identify Habakkuk to us who study the word of God, who know him. Here it is. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine. I told you chapter 3, right? Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. What does that sound like to you? What is he saying? If it all runs out, if it all runs dry, if my bank account runs out, if my mistakes and my decisions cause destruction on me, whatever happens, whatever goes on, if the fig tree's bare, if the vine is bare, if there's no cattle, if there's no sheep, if there's no whatever, it doesn't matter yet. I will, re I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. He doesn't say yet, I will struggle, but I'll still, still make it happen somehow, some way. He says, I will rejoice. I will be joyful because he's God. He's faithful. He's, he's come through. He's everything that he says that he is. He's come through. Oh, that you and I might be like that. Oh, that you and I might follow him like that. Oh, that I would see these kinds of commitment in all of the world. Oh, there, there are places, folks. I'm not this doom and gloom preacher that thinks that everybody's turned their back and everybody's going to hell. I'm trying to prepare a people to understand that the end is coming. I'm not just talking about our personal life. I'm talking about the end, the big bang, the, the end of it all. It's coming. And we've gotten into this thinking things are going to get better, and yet the Word of God says, no, they're going to wax worse and worse. It's not getting better. It's going to get worse. And you're going to have to be committed. You're going to have to be a people of commitment in order to survive. Yet you and I... I wonder if I should do this. Thank you. Believe a will. You and I take the hokey pokey approach to walking with God, to our experience with God. Anybody know what the hokey pokey approach is? Well, I could tell you. But I would rather, there's so much value in visual. 
I mean, there just really is. So why don't... uh, I met with a few people and let them know that they were going to have to. No, that's right. I forgot I didn't meet with them. Well, I called and told them that I was going to. No, I forgot. No, I didn't call them. (laughs) I need a few volunteers or maybe I'll just draft a few people. How about that? Well, come on up, ladies. And why don't you two, since you're so close, just stand up and come right there? Josh, why don't you just come on? It's been so long since you've helped me with a message. I need you all to come over here together, kind of form a circle. Anybody else want to join in? Well, here's my grandkids. Come on up here, kids. Come on, pick it up a little bit. This is a children's game, and it goes like this. The hokey pokey goes like this. You put your left hand in. You put your left hand out. Be sure it's your left, for God's sake. You put your left hand in, and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey. Now, everybody's hokey pokey is different, and you turn yourself around, and that's what it's all about. To hurry this up, you put your right leg in. You put your right leg out. You put your right leg in, and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey, and you turn yourself around, and that's what it's all about. You put your whole self in. You take your whole self out. You put your whole self in, and you shake it all about. Oh, come, no. I'm not accepting that weak hokey pokey. (laughs) You hold stuff in and you shake it all about. Come on now, shake it. And you turn yourself. (laughs) See there? That's enough. Thank you. That's us. That's what we do. We don't dare trust God with everything. You've got to turn this off because I can hear it back here for some reason. We don't dare trust God with everything. I'll put a right arm in, a right hand in, but I'm going to take it back. Or I'll put it in, but I'm going to take it back. I'll put my whole self in, which is what God's after. He's searching. He's longing for. He's pleading. He's begging for, so to speak. And I know that that's an analogy and uh, comments that really aren't true. But he's desperate to reach you. So desperate that he said, I love you. I'm in love with you. And I'll give my son for you. You're not worthy. You're stiff-necked. You're full of sin. All of these things. You're inconsistent. You're up and down. You're in and out. But I'm in love with you. Now, folks, I know that you and I can relate to that I'm in love with you. 
Come on. I know. Listen, I, I work with some people sometimes. But, Pastor, I love him. Oh, give him up. Give him up or you I love him. I couldn't live without him. We get those feelings from our creator, from the one who created us. He loved us and he said, you're, you're so, but I love you. And there's coming a day, as he promised, there's coming a day when I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a commitment to you. That in spite of your sinful life and in spite of your lives that are full of sin and your inconsistencies, I'm going to love you and I'm going to die for you. And we call it the cross and we praise Jesus and we magnify him and we worship him. Yet you and I are still one hand in and one hand out, one hand in and I'll shake it all about. And I'll do the hokey pokey in front of you. Oh, just let them start up the music and I'll do the hokey pokey, whatever your hokey pokey is. And I'll dance and all of these things, but I'll never really be committed. I'll never really sell my whole self in and say to you, I'll never take it out. Life will be so much easier for you and I if we're able to make those statements. No matter what comes, no matter what goes, I don't care if there's grapes on the vine, I don't care if there's figs on the tree, I don't care if there's cattle in the barn, if there's sheep in the barn, I don't care if the freezers are empty, the bank account's empty, I don't care if it's full, I don't care what's going on, you're my God and I will worship and praise you. One of the tools that I use in life to help me the most is Fox's Book of Martyrs. When I'm struggling and nothing seems to be going right and everything seems to be going wrong and the world seems to be crashing down on me and, you know, my family, I get to praying over them and concerned over them and their walk with Jesus and uh, something's trying to splinter families and just whatever's going on. I will go to this book and I will see what real commitment is all about. I will see what real what men and women are literally capable of doing in regards to commitment. They're really capable of making a commitment and giving their lives for it. They're really capable of buying into something and it being yay and amen and the end of everything and there's no hokey pokey about it. There's no one leg in and one leg out. It's my whole self. You have me, God, no matter what. I'm still, I know that I'm going to gripe and complain. I know that I'm going to be hard for you to put up with, but I love you. I love you. I love you. And no matter what comes and no matter what goes, you're going to be my God. It may not look like it's going to work out, and it's certainly not going to work out the way that I had thought you were going to work it out. Because your ways aren't my ways. They're so much higher. My understanding and your understanding is in separate universes. But it's all right because yours is the best. And I'll buy into whatever's going on and whatever's taking place. And although I don't like it. 
I accept it. I believe it. I know that you have my best interest at heart. You can see around the curve. You can know what's going on. We gripe and complain about we've got a busy day going on and we're rushing and everything seems to be happening and all kind of things are taking place and time is short and we're rushing and we're trying to get somewhere and lo and behold, as we're driving the flat tire, I may have used this example here at one time or the other. And we think, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And we get out and it takes a little time. And, but lo and behold, after we get the tire on and we get back up the road and just over the hill we see this horrific accident. Cars everywhere. And little do we know that if it had not been for God's love and care and protection and watching over us, we would have been in that. We may have been the reason for that or anything else. That's how God works. So when you and I are griping and complaining, this isn't working out. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Like you know how to plan something. Like I know how to plan something. I can tell you, hey, I'll be there tomorrow. I don't even know if I'll be alive tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yet I should say to you, he does. He knows about my tomorrow. He knows. He knows what's going. And if it's the Lord's will, I'll see you tomorrow. Now, we take that as a way out and a way of escape and a, a weak kind of commitment. No, that's literally where we're at. We're in the hand of God. We're right there. And he knows our comings and our goings. And if we would simply make this eternal commitment to him, you know I don't. In closing... Every once in a while, I sit with someone, and they're, they're so frustrated with their fight of life. A lot of the times, obviously, it's with someone who's struggling to come off drugs and alcohol, and they hear all of these wonderful messages, and it's so true that God delivers, that God sets free, isn't it? I haven't changed my mind about that. Oh, I have to do some teaching and different approach till God either comes through with true deliverance in someone's life or gives them the power and the strength to bear that burden, whatever the case is. You see, there's still some Pauls in the world today. When Paul said, remove it, remove it, remove it. This thorn in the flesh, remove it. God said, no, my grace is sufficient. You'll keep it and you'll still be the man that I called you to be. So, but I hear them crying, oh, pastor, I, if I could just get delivered, if I could just get delivered, if I could just get delivered, can't this pass, won't this pass, if it could just deliver me from this so that I can do something else. My heart breaks for them. I told my pastor once in absolute frustration, Pastor Cates, I was absolutely put out. I was as low as I guess I've ever been in my life. And I sat with him and I said, Pastor, I called him preacher. I said, Preacher, 
If it weren't for the devil and for other people, I could really live a good, consistent Christian life. That's exactly what he did. He laughed and he said, couldn't we all? And that said to me that even he struggles. And I held him on a very high pedestal. Even he struggles. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever the level of commitment you have made to him, I just want you to be sure that it's enough. I want you to be sure that you've stopped this silly children's game of hokey pokey. You keep giving him something and you keep taking it back. And the reason that you do and the reason that I do is we're not fully convinced that he either hears us, that we're worthy. Oh, how our enemy throws up our past. Look at all, you think he cares about you? Look at all that you've done. I had to cut two sections of this message out in regards to that particular subject. Look what you've done. Look who you are. You're, he's not going to pay you any mind. He's not going to hear you. The woman with the issue of blood spent everything that she had and she grew worse. She was convinced in her heart, if I could just find Jesus, I'd be healed. Yet she found him and couldn't get to him. You and I have found him, yet somehow something's always in the way and stops us from making that complete commitment and saying to him, it's yours, I won't ask for it back, it's yours. However it turns out, you know best. We know about broken commitments. I sit with people all the time and they say, I was in jail and I cried out and asked God to deliver me and the get me out of that jail, and I'd do anything. And now I'm just asking them to just smoke every two hours and no more. <laughs> I, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Scratch that. Erase that from the tape. And they have a hard time with that. But I thought you said you would do anything that he asked you to do. I thought you said he brought me here. Thank God for this wonderful place and all that it is. And he brought me here and I'm willing to do anything for him because he brought me out. David said he brought me up out of a horrible pit and he set my feet on solid rock. And he's established my goings and I'll do anything. And yet David had a difficult time with his commitment. Commitment isn't always being perfect and doing it right. Commitment is more about recognizing, uh-oh, I'm in this hokey-pokey thing again. I'm trying to take it back. I must remember it's his, it's his, it's his. But it's getting in a mess, Lord. It's starting to unravel, Lord. You know, you've got to fix this, Lord. If you can't do it, I'll do it. I must be more God than you are because I can fix this better than you're fixing it. Okay. Has that worked out for us? Literally, has that worked out for us? And we always go back, at least subconsciously, to the fact, well, maybe he doesn't hear my prayers. Maybe he doesn't know my name. 
And really what we're saying is maybe his word isn't really true. Because he said, I know you by name. I mean, come on, folks. Out of the billions of prayers that are going up on a daily basis, our Heavenly Father literally heard one of these ladies crying in a jail cell. And she said, Lord, if you'll get me out of here, I'll do anything. I'll surrender my life. I'll change. And I'll walk with them hand in hand. And I know their inconsistencies. And I know that not one of them, not one of us was worthy of being brought out of that jail cell. But he heard their prayer. In all of their sin, in all of your shame, in all that was going on, he heard your prayer. And he said, I'm going to bring you out. And all the prayers that were going up. And there were other ladies beside them praying, Lord, me, 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 not her, me. And for some reason, he brought you out. And look at the mess we're making things because we do the hokey pokey. I'll give it to you. No, I won't give it to you. I'll give it. No, I won't give it to you. A couple of you have asked if, I'm, if I would pray for you. And any of you, there's no, no, no real magic to my prayers. That's a, not a proper statement, but you know what I'm trying to say. But any of you who you want to renew your commitment, that you recognize, oh, God, I have, I've, I've been dancing this hokey-pokey dance. And I keep giving it to you and taking it back. And I know it's because of the way that I was raised and the inconsistencies and all that I've seen and experienced and gone through. And I really want to just simply say to you, take it. And Pastor David, is there anything that I can do or say? I'm just asking you to come down here and let's pray together and pray over the things that you're trying to surrender to God that you won't pick them back up again. No matter what you see, no matter what's going on, that you won't pick them back up again. I tell you this, on your best day with your best ideas and, and you're the most spiritual in all of those things, you still don't need to follow your thinking. You need to follow his word. And your questions about, well, is he enough? No, he's not enough. He's more than enough. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout. He's more than enough. Hear that. No, it's not that he's enough. The enemy might challenge you and say, well, you think he's enough? You think he's learned that you can answer him no, he's more than enough. He, it'll be enough for me and some left over. That's his word. If you believe it, then you're going to get excited about it. If you struggled with it and grappled with it and you're wrestling with it, then you might still be in that place. That, but can I trust him? But can I trust him? And if you're there...
Can we pray together about your level of trust? I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit can do for you what I can't do, what this little message couldn't do. He can speak to you, touch you, and you can let all of that go away and find a new level of trust in him that you've never experienced before. If someone would play me a little something of however it might come through the back there or any other way, I just want to invite you to, if you want prayer, if I'm speaking to you, if the word of God is speaking to you, if the spirit of God has touched you, just step out and come down right now in Jesus' name.